Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. And I want to give a very warm welcome to Franco Perez. Franco is the founder and president of Franco Mobile Homes, a leading real estate company that builds innovative mobile homes for families. With over a decade of experience in real estate, he's been instrumental in tackling the affordable housing crisis with well-designed solutions and a marketing angle that changed customer perception of the brand category for the better. After witnessing his family's struggles during the 2008 financial crisis, Franco was inspired to explore the real estate sector and provide hundreds of families with financial security through inexpensive housing options. Franco is also the owner of Franco Silicon Valley, a media agency for small businesses that leverages digital and influencer marketing. And he's an author, hosts the podcast, The Mobile Home Movement, and has been featured in media outlets, including Forbes, ABC, and CBS News. Today, Franco and I are going to be chatting about how he built his business and made a major impact, and also how he leverages influencer marketing and digital media to not only drive his own sales, but others. We'll learn what works from Franco's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses miss the mark. Franco, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here as well, Stacey. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's start off. How did you get here today? You know, obviously I shared that your family had a crisis and you learned from it and you decided, but, you know, is this what you ever thought you would be, the king of mobile homes and marketing? Uh, no, I, I would, I had never thought of that actually. It's, um, yeah, I guess to, to answer your question, I, I started like, like you said, I, I grew up with a single mom. We really struggled renting forever. And then, and then really went through a lot of pains, just trying to get out of that rental rat race and got into real estate, hated real estate because I found it was somewhere where I was just helping the wealthiest people I could help get the most expensive homes that they couldn't. And I had to turn down people that were in my shoes before. So left being an agent and got into helping, trying to help as many people get into their first piece of ownership through mobile homes. And that's how we got to where we're at today, really. So, and so along that journey, like, what are some of the things that you learned that you never thought would have been part of your life? What has happened? Um, well, one is it, it, that journey really opened opened my eyes to really how the world is. Right, there's so much when I was when I was poor. Right, there's so much that I that I didn't understand about money, that I didn't understand about housing, and how it can really help. Uh, get how it can help our family wealth and that sort of thing. I didn't know the differences between rent and ownership, right? And and how how that could really impact us in the long term. So that's one big thing. And I really was passionate about sharing knowledge of, that I found out through realization. How can we get information from those that have made it and bring it to people that want to make it, right? And And that's there's so much to be said on that question. I could talk for hours. <laughs> well, it's interesting because, you know, in our American society, we don't at a high school level get taught anything about life after leaving the parent's nest about home ownership or rental or anything. I mean, I know that I had no idea. I came from a great family. They owned their house, but 
I never knew how much money I really needed to make in order to buy a house. And that's part of the issues I think out there are people think that they need to actually have a million dollars to buy a million dollar home. And that we don't have enough education right now and understanding in general on what's going to actually allow you to have that freedom. Absolutely. And and what we're used to seeing in real estate is only what we see through the media. It's very attractive to see the selling sunsets or, or, or that sort of thing and looking at these very huge homes. But then we forget that, you know, we always feel that one day we're going to be able super successful and be able to afford that. But, but we start to forget that we need to make small steps toward that, for that to be a reality. And unfortunately for some people, they already feel like that dream of homeownership is completely impossible. And that's what we aim to kind of protect that opportunity. Right. Because the whole thing about owning homes are you're able to level up along the way. Mm-hmm. You buy a home, it increases in value when you sell it and you've saved maybe a little bit more money, you can now get into something a little bit bigger. And that's how you get to that castle in the sky. Exactly. Absolutely. So you started your business when you you turned into deciding mobile homes was it, that this is what you wanted to do. Now, I have seen on your website that you coined the phrase sexy mobile homes. What made you do that? Well, uh, really good question. You know, I think Well, first was the realization that so many of these myths and so many of these stigmas, our associations with mobile homes and mobile home parks are only what we see in the media, right? So we see in movies that these are the lowest of the low. There's criminals in here. They're bad quality homes, you know, and and we only see like Eminem music videos that relate to mobile home parks and that sort of thing. And we really, I realized that, you know, all of this is really false information. We're seeing that people are, you know, the quality of these homes are actually quite nice. It's just like apartments. There's really bad quality apartments. You don't want your kids around. And then there's luxury style apartments. There's that same spectrum with mobile homes. And then we have mobile homes that are appreciating. We have mobile homes that are really high quality homes. But that being said, you know, because of all that stigmas, I wanted to really help people realize that this is something that can be attractive, that can be sexy, right? How do we make financial freedom sexy, right? We, we And it's really a conflicting thought. And with that, it builds controversy, it builds thought leadership, it builds conversation around maybe I should think about this, right? Because if I first off say, hey, mobile homes are nice, Whereas like it says sexy mobile homes, then then it sounds on on one side, it sounds like I'm trying to sell you that this is a great idea, blah, blah, blah. But when it's this interesting word like sexy, it's like, man, who does this guy think it is? And then now I'm interested. Now I'm going to look into their stuff and I'm like, wow, this actually is kind of sexy. I, you know, and and it's all the the sequence of how people think about your brand and your company is what I feel like is important. So literally just using the word sexy has opened it up where people are doing a double take. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. And so along the way, when you were building this and you're like, I'm going to make it the sexy mobile mobile home. What did you use to market this? Was it just saying it? Did it, was it including it in advertising? Was it on your social media? How far did you go with like diving in and taking this name and really building it out? Well, you know, of course, it's not just the name. There's so much work put put into this, you know, 
because of all these false stigmas, we realize that there's a lot of people that are against this whole concept. And the only way to break through that concept is through visuals, right? With younger generations, all they take in information is through visuals. So we really had to push video, video, video in all ways through short form, short form video, long form YouTube videos, long form educational videos. That's really what helped us get our name out there. That's what helped us break those stigmas because we could talk about it on an audio podcast, but until you actually see for reals how these 12 foot high ceilings can be done, how these quartz countertops, these stainless steel appliances, how it actually looks, that's what's going to shock people. And we knew that coming into it. And we knew we had to invest a lot of video content to, to get over that hurdle uh, for people to understand that mobile homes are not what we're used to or not what we assume. So what are mobile homes now? Well, now we, you know, I do a lot of advocacy on how these are built and, and we're, to be honest with you, the way we're building them now are actually much higher quality than most single family traditional homes are being built. So now we're, we have these huge 1600 square foot homes, three bedroom, two bath, like I mentioned, the quartz countertop, stainless steel appliances, modern technology in there, like working with Alexa and Google. Um, keep in mind that that these the people that are living in here are people that can't afford those $2 million homes, but they still want to get a piece of home ownership. And we have a lot of people that are engineers making three, 400K, that sort of thing. And they just want something to avoid paying rent and regretting it for years, but they still maybe can't afford these huge multi-million dollar homes. So we're seeing a lot of innovation. We put, we're building these in factories and, and building it at a much more effective and efficient way to keep it affordable. And so with that, how are you expanding that messaging? Is Are you doing that by um, more thought leadership? Are you trying to get more media coverage? What are you doing to kind of make sure that you're doubled down and finding success with that? Well, it's really a blend of all, right? And, and you know, I, I'm a, a kind of a radical in some marketing ways. We do a lot of funny we we do a lot of fun things like we have uh influencers that will play an electric guitar or electric violin in our space and it'll cause for it to be attractive and then also it shows off the beautiful space of a mobile home right and so that's one of the things that initially early on when we didn't have money that really brought a lot of attention you're, you're causing video retention by having someone interested in wow this is a great violinist right and then you're and then you also have people looking at the home itself in the background and on our title it's saying it's an, a mobile home and people are like what and that ends up blowing up right it's all about building noise around your company and building attention and bringing multiple straight multiple values to the listener so that you can so that you can grab interest about uh, your your business or your content and i think having that concept and instead of the traditional concept is like how can i spend for a commercial or ads and that sort of thing and and sell myself or sell our business we try to come up with much uh, a lot of different innovative ways to market ourselves so that's um yeah we have several different ways but yes through 
through media and that sort of thing too. But uh, to be honest, most of our stuff is on, on the internet, YouTube, Instagram, that sort of thing. And then you decided that you wanted to build a media business as well. So tell me about yeah. what you're doing with that. So the media business actually kind of happened a, a, a little bit before the mobile home stuff. It, it actually happened before. Growing up as a kid, I've always loved video and I've always wanted to become a videographer or a cinematographer growing up, but it just didn't end up making financial sense for me at the time. But I've always had a passion for video. I've always had a passion for arts. I've always wanted to become an artist. Um, so it's that mixed with, I love supporting small business owners. I feel like there's so many mom and pop restaurants that are great at making great food, great service, that sort of thing, but they're bad at making noise and bad at spreading the word. Okay. So I took it upon myself to kind of take this on as like a hobby to help, you know, some friends that have small businesses that they want to, they want to grow and that sort of thing. And it ended up becoming kind of like an influencer situation for myself, where we were featuring local restaurants in the area, that sort of thing. And then it came about putting together and gathering community, a community of influencers so that they can really empower and launch a small business. We've had events for restaurants that were opening, and then we'll host an event and gather like 20 local influencers. We, we set them up to create a ton of loud noise and content around their small business. Then when it comes to opening day, they got lines outside of their doors. And, right. and that to me was just rewarding and fun. And, and even if it wasn't us that were making the video content, it helped out that business owner feel more uh, secure and that sort of thing too. So that's something that we do. Yeah, there's a lot of small businesses that in general, they're not usually staffed to be able to actually create content and, but they're yeah. expected to get butts in seat today through social media and PR mm -hmm. or influencers and initiatives. So it is definitely a, a need on a local level. Yeah, yeah, it, it's amazing the influence and the power of what having a third party um, advocate in, in the, in Instagram or TikTok, how how much that can make a difference. It's 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 shocking to me. Sometimes I've seen people make great videos about an okay restaurant, and the okay restaurant would have a, a line out the door again later. I'm like, whoa, you know. And, and uh, that's something that really is the future of marketing, and and it's it's becoming more and more popular lately, and, and it's a fascinating thing. It is. Is there any other ways that you help small, uh, small and local businesses or is it mainly focused on restaurants? It's mainly the restaurants and, and we're helping out uh, uh, this pickleball club too. And just, you know, for me, it's like I mentioned, it's, it's more of a business that I have as a hobby and our team of videographers and that sort of thing is, is, is really just to help out. And, and then we help with like posting and we help with strategy of what they should post about on Instagram and TikTok and that sort of thing too. Where do you see with either business and where do you see your competitors going wrong or people making mistakes? Uh, I think I'd say is making it about selling themselves. Mm -hmm. I, I think is something that I see a lot of people do. Hey, you should work with us because we are the greatest service and blah, 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 where we should really focus on 
how is this actually providing value for others, right? Um, that's one thing, one mistake that I see. The other is feeling that you have to do the marketing alone, right? And and partnering with a marketer actually helps have a third party, helps have, here's the thing that I'm seeing is like back in the day, commercials did really well and, and, and had a lot of, um, positive outcome from that. Nowadays, we don't really listen. We almost ignore commercials, right? Now it's like, hey, I follow this, whether it's Ryan Reynolds or Brad Pitt. If they mention a brand or if they go to a restaurant, now it's like, shoot, I want to go to that restaurant or I want to buy those set that set of yoga pants because I like Brad Pitt, right? And that's how people think now. And especially understanding how younger generations think is so important. You know, these these people that they follow on Instagram, they're going to want to be just like them. They follow them because they want to be like them. And if we can get a mention from them, then that can make a big difference. And so have there been any, um, and I don't know how involved you are to the day-to-day of the influencers and partnerships with restaurants, um, are there any lessons you've learned there or that your team has really experienced on what works and what doesn't work when working with influencers? Um, the So with that, um, it's really finding how... One, one thing that works with influencers is giving them the freedom to create their own piece of content in their own style. So they, they don't, they also at the same point have the same concern. They don't want to feel salesy uh, and that sort of thing as well. They want it to be natural. So how you can connect the dots of relating their, um, their channel to something that they're relevant to. So for example, we're doing this whole campaign for this pickleball thing if it's somebody that's in, we're looking for people that are interested in pickleball and not just that, but people that are influencers in badminton, in tennis. Hey, can you, can you, you know, because they're relevant to it, can you create a video of how this relates to badminton or tennis, right? So we, it's important to, to connect, to find context that will bring value both sides for both sides and not just financial or financial value, but value for their listeners and values for the business. Everything that's mutually beneficial. That's the key. Exactly. And then do you find that, um, are y'all paying all your influencers or are you finding influencers who just want to create content out of the goodness of their heart? There, there's a mix of both. And, 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 and sometimes the ones that aren't paid are creating more buzz versus the ones that are paid, but it is a mix of both. It depends on, you know, the scale of the business and that sort of thing. You know, there, there are times where it makes sense to create some sort of payment or, and then there are times where it helps. There's a spectrum of influencers, right? So there's ones that would love to be the first to feature a business and and they're growing and that sort of thing. And then there's those that are, like the Kim Kardashian of the group or that sort of thing. Right. And they have agencies that want to be paid, but you know, it's all under, it's all about understanding. Um, it's all about understanding where the value, like you mentioned, can be mutual beneficial. If a company is already paying 8,000 a month to, for another form of print marketing or that sort of thing, then why wouldn't they invest in a long in an invest, uh, invest into an influencer campaign as well. Well, we do a lot of influencer marketing at Hollywood Branded as well. And 
as you mentioned, the nano and the micro influencers, they're small guys. They're eager to be able to work with any brands very often. Um, mm -hmm. You have them out there. Some that are certainly looking for payment. 